0: Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. We are delighted. I'm delighted that you're here today and that others are joining us on the live stream. Today is the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, and it is also, of course, Labor Day weekend. So our liturgies this morning come from the book of worship for Labor Day. There is a misprint in your bulletins. I will remind you a little later in the service as well. We have our closing hymn is hymn number 438. It says 388 in the bulletins. I also would like to remind the congregation that we have postponed our Rise Against Hunger event that was scheduled for this Saturday. Uh, We are still, of course, uh, battling this Delta variant, and I want to thank you very much for continuing to mask. I know that it is wearying and uh, yet as Dr. Michael Ulsterholm says, we so want to be done with this virus, but this virus is unfortunately not yet done with us. So uh, we have to respect that. And I thank you for uh, keeping yourselves and others safe by masking. A final, a final announcement concerns this Thursday. Uh, we are starting a prayer shawl ministry that is going to be facilitated by Sarah Crom. So we will be in the conference room from 12 until 2. Uh, bring your yarn and knitting needles and a mask. We hope to see you there. Will you stand now and join responsively in our call to worship? Blessed are you ever creating God. In your image, our lives are made. In your glory, we offer all the work of our hearts and hands and minds. Blessed, Blessed are, are you, you, O God, God now and, and forever. forever. Blessed are you whose work is repaid, or by your work, and by the payment you, for by your work and by the payment you receive. Your lives and the lives of others around you and around the world are blessed. We We thank thank God God for for you day day by day. day. Blessed are you whose work is unpaid, who offer what you can to enrich the lives of others through time, talents, skill, strength, and love. We praise praise God God for your your generous generous labor. labor. Blessed are you who seek work but have not found it, or whose work now is not yet what it may be, yet still you seek that your gifts may be shared more fully. We praise God for your diligent seeking and pray you may soon find. Yours is the glory in their labors. Yours be the glory in all our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Our opening hymn is God that made us earth and heaven, found in your hymnals on page 688. Thank mm-hmm. you. Please be seated. Let us pray responsively our opening prayer. Friends, let us offer our prayers to God who pronounced all creation good, who sent his son to live and work as one like us and who calls us to serve the poor and those oppressed. Lord, give success to the work of our hands. Lord, give success to the work of our hands. For all those who work, Lord, give success to the work of our hands. For those who are unemployed or underemployed or have lost their jobs because of changing economic conditions, let us pray. Lord, give success to the work of our hands. For those who work in hazardous conditions without sufficient protection, let us pray. Lord, give success to the work of our hands. For migrant workers and all who work the land, let us pray. Lord, give success to the work of our hands. For all employers, that they may provide a just work environment, and for those who face discrimination, harassment, or abuse in the workplace, let us pray. Lord, give success to the work of our hands. For those who must balance job commitments with the needs of their family, let us pray. Lord, give success to the work of our hands. Loving God, through your Son, you gave us an example to love one another as he loved us. Give us the strength to continue working to bring forth your kingdom here on earth, a kingdom of justice and peace, kindness and compassion, grace and mercy. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So this morning for children's time, I wanted to uh, call to remembrance um, times, times from when Ron Matier was the pastor here. Uh, Ron Matier had uh, incredible creative energy and he liked to dress up. I understand that people didn't know what he was going to show up looking like on Sunday mornings. I think one time he showed up as a circuit rider on a horse. Another time there was a potato bagging event and he showed up as a, a just as a sweet potato. I don't even know how you do that, but he did that. Um and I'm sure that if he were doing this sermon right now, he'd have gone into his closet of costumes and and to talk about Labor Day, gotten gotten out some costumes or maybe just hats of of people who dress a certain way for work. Um uh, a firefighter, for example, wears a lot of heavy gear and a firefighter's hat, and and a police officer wears a police uniform and a police hat. Uh, clergy, we wear these lovely white robes. Some pastors wear black robes, but those are actually academic garments, and this is a liturgical one. And elders wear stoles. Uh, people who are ordained old elders wear stoles this way. If you're a diaconal, if you're a consecrated diaconal, you wear them this way. Um, but a lot of people who who uh, do certain kinds of work dress a certain way. Um, doctors wear white coats and scrubs sometimes, and, and um, you know, medical professionals all are wearing masks, just like we are right now. And, and um, so I was thinking about... Uh, the job that we all have. I mean, we all do different things when we go to work. If you're a student, you know, you have certain things that you do. Um, you study hard, you carry around your books, and you carry around all of your, you know, pens and pencils, and maybe even a, a tablet computer. Um, but as Christians, we all have the same job, and we don't have to dress in a certain way. We don't have to wear a certain hat. You don't have to wear A white alb all you have to do is have a heart a heart that seeks to stay connected to god and to stay connected to one another so there's a a pastor and a writer named parker palmer and he says that work should be the place where our gifts and the world's greatest need meet and um, i think that's a really good definition of work Um, God has always intended work to be a a holy thing, surprisingly. Uh, It is a place where we co-create with God. Um, And it is a place, like Parker Palmer says, where our skills and abilities meet the world's greatest needs. Um, It's sometimes difficult to figure out what your skill set is so that you can put it into play in the world. Um, And sometimes it takes a lot of of discernment, that's a word of trying to figure things out, Um, and sometimes with the help of others. Um, So for example, I would love to be an opera singer. Everybody who has heard me sing has helped me discern that that would be a terrible idea. Um, that is not what I'm skilled at doing. Am I grateful that Jill is an opera singer? Yes, I am. Uh, We could not switch places in that regard, for sure. Um, When I go to see my physician's assistant or doctor, um, I certainly don't want to see somebody who... um, studied to be a plumber and just thought, well, I'll I'll freelance as a doctor. Um, It takes a special skill set and a lot of education to become a physician's assistant or a doctor. Um, And that is not the education that, for example, I have. So a a lot of what we do on Labor Day is celebrate the people who have found that place, have found that place where their skills and and what's in their heart meets the greatest needs in the world that they can address. Here's one thing I know though, and this is important for every child and every adult to know, God made you for a reason. You have special talents and abilities that other people do not have. And God only made one of you. So um, we know that God has a special purpose and intention for everyone. And as Christian community, we want to affirm that. We want to say thank you for that. And um, for those who are kind of figuring out what that is, we want to help you discern that. So this Labor Day, let us give thanks for all who work, especially the people who work kind of behind the scenes. And we don't know really uh, how they they do what they do, uh, but they get it done. And it touches our lives. We don't usually see grocery stores getting stocked. We don't see oil tanks being filled with gas or gas tanks being filled with gas. And yet we can fill up our cars because they do. So a lot of people make our lives very easy, but they do it behind the scenes. And Labor Day is a day when we give thanks for them. Thank you. As we prepare to receive God's holy word, let us pray. Eternal God, we long for truths that are lasting, yet we want our faith to be alive to the people and problems of today. As we sail forward in an ever-changing world, may faith in Christ be our anchor and your love our guide through the presence and power of the Spirit. For we pray in your Son's holy name, amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is found in the 22nd chapter of Proverbs, beginning with the first verse. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor have this in common, the Lord is the maker of them all. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of anger will fail. Those who are generous are blessed, for they share their bread with the poor. Do not rob the poor because they are poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord pleads their cause and despoils the, the, the spoils of life those who despoil them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson is found in the seventh chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the 24th verse. From there, he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know that he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile of Syro-Phoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epaphtha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is again about who the insiders are and who the outsiders are. It is a text about two people in need of Jesus's help. The first is a Syrophoenician woman who comes to Jesus asking for help for her daughter. We have heard the text from Mark's gospel. It's also in Matthew's gospel uh, where it's a little more detailed. Um, And I have heard so many sermons on this text and truthfully never liked any of them. In this text, Jesus Jesus likens the woman to a, a dog. And then she comes back at him saying, yes, but even the dogs are given crumbs. And then Jesus, as this text is often preached, is moved by this woman's tenacious faith and persistence and so helps her and heals her daughter. Well, I've never found that a tremendously satisfying interpretation of this text that Jesus tries to dismiss her, that that Jesus insults her even, and then does a 180 when she persists. Some scholars say that Jesus was refining his sense of identity and purpose and that she helps him to do that. that, that she helps him to recognize that his circle has to be bigger. It's sort of the, oh yeah, I forgot, I'm the Messiah, I'm supposed to help her interpretation which never made sense to me. A few years back in Christian Century magazine, a scholar named John Ortberg offered a different explanation of this text. And I saved it because I've always been challenged by this text. Sometimes it seems offensive, other times puzzling. But Ortberg's explanation is that Jesus' responses are a sort of test a test of the woman, and a test of the disciples. The woman approaches Jesus with the traditional cry of a beggar, have mercy on me. She humbles herself and adds the title, Lord, a term that she will repeat two more times. In Matthew's Gospel, she calls him the son of David which is a respectful stance that indicates that though she is a Syrophoenician woman, a Gentile, uh, she nonetheless knows something of Judaism. Jesus doesn't say a word. Mark really underscores that point. The woman's daughter is suffering terribly, but when the woman appeals to Jesus with humility and with reverence, he acts as if he doesn't hear she has to decide if she's going to persevere. Meanwhile, Ortberg says what Jesus is doing is testing his disciples. He ignores the woman to see what they will do, to see if they will step in on her behalf. In Matthew's gospel, they say, send her away. She keeps crying after us. Now they're exaggerating because it doesn't actually say that in the text but they're confident that Jesus will do what they say. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, Jesus says, seemingly in agreement with them. Good call, he seems to be saying to the disciples. Send her away. But in Mark's Gospel and in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus doesn't send her away. Instead, he watches the disciples to see how they will respond. Will anyone say a word on behalf of this woman? Will any of them muster up even a grain of compassion? Well, unfortunately, the all-too-revealing answer is no. They want her to go away, but she won't. Lord, help me, she continues to plead. The disciples become more impatient, and the tension mounts. Their theology is that she should be thunned, shunned, she should be rejected. They would agree with Jesus' statement, that his mission isn't to the likes of her. They listen to the anguished plea of a heartsick mother with a suffering child and are unmoved. So Jesus gives voice to their theology. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Well, dogs were scavengers like rats. Will any of the disciples speak up for her? Will any of them serve as compassionate advocates? Apparently not today. Later there will be more tests and the disciples will do marginally better, but not today. The woman hangs in there. Yes, Lord, she says. But even the dogs eat the children's crumbs. She comes back at Jesus and and we don't know if she believed Jesus meant what he said with his first salvo, or whether he was just using her as an object lesson. But she doesn't give, give up on this conversation. And finally, Jesus turns to face her. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, oh woman, great is your faith. This is not only an affirmation of her, an affirmation that she has passed his test of faith. It's also a scathing indictment of his disciples. Jesus turns the tables on them. It is she whom he is favoring, not them. This had to be shaming and astonishing to them. This Syrophoenician woman, this Gentile whom they consider to be their enemy and their inferior, has been given one of the greatest commendations ever bestowed by Jesus. And they who thought that they towered in their righteousness now look like men whose theology has gone to the dogs. Again, Gentiles enter the circle of Jesus and his disciples when They bring a friend of theirs who is deaf and mute to Jesus for healing. Jesus takes the man away from the crowd, and the physicality of this particular intervention is quite startling and a little bit distasteful. First, he fits the tips of his fingers in the man's ear as if he is trying to reach inside of his head. Then he spits into his hand and touches the spit and then touches the man's tongue, and then he looks up to heaven and sighs. I always think sighs are prayers that are bigger than words. And, and says the only word that he says in this man's presence. "Ephatha," which means be opened. Now, it's important to notice, since we are talking about insiders and outsiders and, and Gentiles here, it's important to notice that there's no quiz to see if this man is a believer. There is no request required by this man to be healed. I mean, it wasn't possible, but it also wasn't necessary. What matters was that Jesus and the man find some way to communicate with one another. And to do that, Jesus simply chooses action, showing the man what he couldn't tell him and then just doing it. Oddly, the story ends with Jesus telling the man and the crowd who had gathered to tell no one. It's odd because for the first time in his life, a man who had so much trouble making himself understood is finally able to answer questions in his own voice. For the first time in his life, someone can ask him, well, what kind of day did you have today? And he can tell the person exactly what kind of day he had. Only Jesus has forbidden him to tell, which must have been frustrating, seemed ironic, seemed, felt like a reversal of the miracle to him. Now, Jesus didn't say why he couldn't tell anyone, but Jesus did have a reason. Everyone was trying to figure out who Jesus was, and everything he did became a, a piece of that puzzle. The feeding of the 5,000, that was a piece. The walk on water, that was a piece. The healing of this man, that was a piece. And and they were all true pieces, but the problem was that people were too eager to call the puzzle finished when they didn't have the one piece that would connect all of the rest. Without it, they could say that he was all sorts of things. They could say he was a healer. They could say he was a teacher. They could say he was a a miracle worker, whatever. there would still be a hole in the puzzle. The picture would not be complete. Until he had given them the piece that was his, his crucifixion, death, and resurrection, they weren't going to have the whole picture, and he knew it. And so he ordered them to tell no one what they witnessed that day. Well, not surprisingly, they did it anyway. I don't know if they were ignoring him or disobeying him, but but they became quite quite aggressive in sharing the word. At least it was true, this piece of good news that Jesus had let let the kingdom loose in their midst such that he couldn't get it back into a, a nice, neat little box again. He may have been able to still the storm, but he couldn't stop people from proclaiming the gospel. They, they had to share their experiences of, of finding their voices and being set free and and being included. Well, we, we who are Jesus' followers, are still tested at work, at home, in our community. The story of the Syrophoenician woman and the deaf and mute man whose friends bring him to Jesus for healing shows what we are all too slow to grasp, that the body of Christ is astoundingly inclusive. No one is left out unless they decide to leave themselves out. Remember from last week's New Testament lesson from James, what his definition of love was in community. It was practical. It wasn't just intangibly spiritual or theological or intellectual or emotional. It didn't mean... Feeling warmly toward people or wishing them well. It meant risk assuming works and advocacy on their behalf. And I think that is what epafta really means: opening the circle, opening the community and ourselves to the new life in Christ that is set right before us. Epaphtha, be opened. And part of our job here at First Church is to keep our doors open to all people to recognize that we all belong and to affirm that that is God's doing. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will the ushers please come forward? As forgiven and reconciled people, let us now return thanks to God with our gifts of tithes and offerings. Let us pray. Loving and eternal God, we give you thanks for all who touch our lives, who work and who, some for pay and some not for pay, touch our lives with the skills and heart that they share, with the gifts you have given them that they return to your service. We thank you for their labor. We thank you for the ways that you equip us to go into the world, to serve, to heal, to love. And we pray that you will hearten us, nourish us, and sustain us for that journey and task. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. Be seated. As you arrive today, I hope that you were given individually packaged communion elements. If you did not, if you will raise your hand, an usher will bring you uh, individually packaged communion elements. Right in the back. Uh, I would like to remind you if you see the kind, if you receive the kind that looks like just a cup. Um, That the wafer is right underneath the seal. If you receive the kind that looks like a little chalice, like the one on the altar, please remember to flip it upside down and remove the bread before flipping it uh, back over to unseal the juice. Jill will be singing the responses, the, the um, holy, 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 the Christ has come, and the amen. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, it is right, right to give our thanks, thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere to give thanks to you almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. We We praise praise you for all all who labor labor for the the common common good good. and for those those whose service is unappreciated. unappreciated. We thank you for children whose play is the work work of learning learning to to live live in the world. world. We thank thank you for disciples who are obedient to the promptings of your spirit spirit in all their relationships. relationships. We thank you for your yearning mercy that awaits for us to make all our hours and days participation in your healing and blessing of the earth and all peoples. You made us in your image and set us in a lush garden as caretakers. When we chose to have it all to ourselves, you turned our freedom to the toil for survival. When we cried out in our misery, you delivered us from captivity and made covenant to be our sovereign God. By the prophets, you called us to return to you and delight in good food without price. You confronted us with the waste of laboring apart from you, and you asked us, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. It is your son, Jesus Christ, anointed with your spirit. His food was to do your will and to complete it. He took the common things of daily life, blessed them, and broke them, and shared them so that all were satisfied. He told those who follow him, do not work for the food that perishes for the food that endures for eternal life. He confronted the powers of greed and evil at the cost of his life, but you triumphed over death and placed him at your right hand to intercede for his disciples until the feast of eternal life. By water and the spirit, he calls us to continue his work until we and all peoples feast at his heavenly banquet. And so as baptized and commissioned people, remembering your mighty work in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves our daily lives and our unique locations for ministry in the world, homes and hospitals, parks and stores, schools and concert halls, as a living and holy sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
1: Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Send the the power of
0: your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts, that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this wine, we may know the presence of the living Christ, be renewed in his body and serve you in unity, fidelity and joy until you bring us with all your saints into the fullness of your eternal kingdom. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. now with the boldness of children of God, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, Father, who art art in heaven, heaven, hallowed hallowed be thy name.
1: Thy Thy kingdom come, come, thy will be done done on earth earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give
0: Give us us this day our daily daily bread and forgive us our trespasses trespasses as we forgive those who trespass trespass against against us. us. And lead us not not into temptation, temptation, but deliver deliver us from us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the the power, and the the glory glory forever and and ever. 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 Amen. Amen. I invite you now to partake of the elements. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I understand that it is a tradition at First Church to have mission boxes on Communion Sundays, another way of going forth into the world in mission. Uh, Those boxes are in our narthex, and I thank you for your ongoing support of missions, which are one of the, the deep strengths of our church. Thank you. Will you stand now and affirm your faith with the Apostles' Creed? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our closing hymn is fourth in thy name, O God. It is on page 438 in your hymnals. I wanted to share that I will be preaching at 415 at King's Grant in their chapel and if you know someone at King's Grant, love someone at King's Grant, I hope that you will join us for worship. Corky and Judy, double blessing if you come twice in one Sunday. (laughs) And now let us go forth in peace to love and to serve God and our neighbor in all that we do. May the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you, and remain with you always. Amen.